and we're back. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast, season five, week 16, the B Block. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. Coming in from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, are Sam and Eli. Fellas, how's it going? Hey, Joel, this is Sam. I'm broadcasting, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Eli coming at you from Boston. What's up? And I'm in Champaign, Illinois. I wanted to point out, thanks, everybody, who's been listening. We just passed the listening totals for all of last year this week in April of 2019. That's awesome. You are probably, yeah. Right? I mean, we're kind of cheating because we're doing triple the episodes, but still, that's something. Um, you will probably listening to us on SoundCloud. Thank you very much. You can also check us out on Apple iTunes at Dump on the Ump. Subscribe. Give us a rating and a review. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call the B Block, where we try to go deep into one specific issue related to sports or baseball and tonight we're going to be talking about the bad behavior of players and who gets redeemed and why so sam you had an interesting take on this you want to get us going yeah so uh i wanted to just talk a little bit about forgiveness and redemption and when it comes to uh the kind of murky world of players of sports being celebrities and also terrible people uh because you see a lot of that and certain people seem to never come back from it and certain people are able to overcome it and i was at a mets brewers game this weekend uh and the relief pitcher josh Hader, yeah younger racist brother to bill Hader, probably uh <clears throat> came on the pitch and me and a few other people started booing him. Uh, But not everybody started booing him. And for those of you who don't know, Josh Hader caught some heat last year, which was his real breakout year in the major leagues for uh, some homophobic and racist tweets that he had tweeted while in college, I think. Um, Yeah, possibly high school. Yeah, possibly high school. Uh, and he, you know, he caught some heat for it, but he never really, he never really suffered. His career hasn't really suffered because of it. And the fans of Milwaukee are standing by him and it seemed to be a rather short, um, fall from grace, if at all. And he reminded me of another reliever from years ago, John Rocker, who in an interview went on a racist tirade about the subways in New York City um, and then never really got his huge payday. Like, he suffered from it big time. But there's a lot of similarities there because there are these big, powerful, left-handed relief pitchers uh, where, and one, that interview kind of ended John Rocker's career to a certain extent. And Josh Hader seems to not kind of have a little uh, Teflon when yeah. it comes to that sort of thing. And so I just wanted to talk this week about 
who has come back from that sort of thing, who hasn't, and uh, why, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Locker, he played for the Braves mostly, right? Right. Yeah. And his controversial statements, 1999, he talked shit about New York City. Um, imagine having to take the seven train to the ballpark looking like you're riding through Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, next to some queer with AIDS, right next to some dude who just got out of jail for the fourth time. People didn't like that. Gee, I wonder why. Right. But what Hader did was he tweeted, you know, I don't give a damn. I'm a triply N-word. Fuck my lungs. Fuck my liver. Who's a N-word? Little N-word. Little N-word. Do you think the difference is Locker offended more people? Like a broader base of people? Do you think the difference is he did it on air as a professional baseball player, where as Hader did it when he was in high school or college and only on Twitter? Does that make a difference in people's minds? I think... <clears throat> so here's how I think about it. I think it's a spectrum. And it depends, and it'll vary depending on the popularity and accomplishments of the athlete and how public the comments or actions happen. Right. So when you think about something like Rocker, right, he said it on national television during an interview. I believe so. Or a national outlet of some sort. Um, it was Sports Illustrated. It, right. Um, a national publication. And so I think, you know, I, th- I think there's something to be said about the institution of the sports trying to protect their public um, identity. Like, take Ray Rice, for instance, right? Okay. Ray Rice very is a football player, former running back, very successful for the Baltimore Ravens about two years ago or three years ago. Um, a video surfaced of him violently hitting his girlfriend or maybe fiance on an elevator during the off season. And the NFL, which as we all know, has a very spotty track record in dealing with domestic violence disputes, um, really came down hard on Ray Rice, suspended him, and he hasn't been picked up by any team since, even though he has come back and been eligible to play. Now, that's something that happened very publicly, right? right. I mean, you, you saw him hit a woman. Well, uh, can I interrupt you there just for yeah. a second? Because <clears throat> the key part of that story I think that you're missing is that he had charges brought against him, like pleaded guilty, and got a, or no he didn't like he had charges brought against him his wife dropped the charges right um that all was known to the baltimore ravens and the nfl the baltimore ravens were working on another contract extension for him i think that the nfl suspended him for three games 
but he was like on the path to redemption. And then the video came out. Right. Like this, it wasn't like the video came out. Nobody knew about this before. Like everybody knew about it before. And then the video came out. Uh, and it's a brutal fucking video. Yeah. But it, it didn't change any of the facts that were already known to all of the parties involved. And, you know, you could see some parallels to that with Kareem Hunt, who, of course, is the star rookie running back for the Kansas City Chiefs this year, who eventually was suspended for, after a video of him kicking the girl came out on TMZ or something like that. You know, I think that it's like, it's like, okay, how much does the public know about it? And then it's determined at that point sort of how difficult it is for that athlete to make a comeback. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also really interesting. Sorry, go ahead. That's also really interesting because I wanted to bring up Ray Rice also and compare him to a rotalist Chapman. Yeah. um, Who famously chokeslammed his wife onto a bed covered with guns. They're for the New York Yankees. The closer for the New York Yankees, who's getting paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to throw a baseball right now. But what he did to his wife is very similar, I think, to what Ray Rice did to his wife. And one of them got the forgiveness and the other one didn't. And there's not like a whole lot of difference to their story, except for that there's no video of Chapman beating up his wife. Now, were those charges dropped against Chapman? I think so. So here's the other part of the question, right? Is what 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 is our job as fans to determine the charges that have been made against athletes that don't result in convictions? Right. Like, are we supposed to act as our own judicial system and determine whether what people have done like if there isn't a video right if there isn't a video of ray rice hitting his girlfriend that's something you can watch and be like wow this guy is despicable but when you hear of charges that are filed against athletes whatever they might be you know domestic assault to assault to gun charges or whatever you typically hear about those charges but then you don't always hear what happens afterwards. And in a lot of cases, like with Chapman or a lot of athletes, people will then withdraw their charges against them um, or settlements are made, you know, that don't result in any sort of conclusion because then there are non-disclosure acts put into place, which are gag, you know, gag orders. Um, And so I just, I wonder, you know, like... Do we, do we, as fans, base our own determinations on the charges? Or, like, what's, what's our job as, as fans? Yeah, I don't know. I think I just, my one thought is when you're talking about domestic abuse, that is so difficult because it's something you want to take very seriously and you know that only a fraction of domestic abuse cases are brought to court and only a fraction of those the 
person is found guilty. It's really, really hard to find someone guilty in a court of law of domestic abuse. And so is it okay to say, well, you're not guilty by the standard of the law, which is very high, so we're going to hold you to this different standard, which is some kind of professional decorum. I right. Know. Well, yeah. and also when you're a millionaire and you have a suit brought against you, it's easy to make it go away with money. Right. So you punch your girlfriend and your girlfriend's like, you punched me. And then you're like, here's X million amount of dollars. And they're like, okay. And, you know, it's it's not like there has to be, you know, pro, this is a question that uh, sports leagues are kind of trying to take on right now is like, what do, like, how do they police it? Um, because if you get if you reach a settlement and the charges are dropped, that doesn't mean that, that the incident didn't occur. Right. And <clears throat> well, the example of that is the Kobe Bryant case from 2003, where the case was dropped. The woman filed a civil suit, and they settled out of court. Right. Which is, or the Ben Roethlisberger, multiple Ben Roethlisberger rapes. Right. Because for the woman to come forward publicly, you're coming forward against someone who is already very wealthy, famous, and powerful. Right. And so you are opening yourself up to all kinds of shit if you come public with this man attacked me. Right. The Monica Lewinsky treatment. Yeah. At best. At best. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And how come... So how come we let these players back into our hearts? Is it because they happen to be very, very good at this one skill that we hold highly in our society of throwing a ball into a hoop or passing a weird oblong ball to another guy or hitting a small spherical ball with a piece of wood? I mean, I don't know. I feel like... uh, I feel like an interesting example would be Michael Vick, right? Because Michael Vick, clearly a monster raising dogs and fighting them, right? Right. He He went to jail. He actually, like, had charges brought against him, went to jail did his time, and then came back to the right. NFL. So right. if he... Quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons who later played for the Eagles. Right, and the Jets. Um, Come on, anybody knows who Michael Vick is? I think We all know Michael Vick is, Eli. Thank, thanks for the stats. He's the dogfighter. He's a dogfighter. Right. <laughs> he, he had a secondary career as a football player, but <laughs> most famously a dogfighter. Um what about these players that do their time, pay their debts to society, right. quote unquote? Like, do they get more? Re- do they get a second chance then, um, having gone through the re- 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 that word process? Yeah, rehabilitation I, I, process. Yeah, I think there are a couple things about Vic. I think the first thing is 
people have very, very strong opinions about dogs. I think the public will turn on you way faster if you abuse animals than if you abuse your wife or your girlfriend. Because, damn, everybody fucking loves dogs. So I think that was part of the initial backlash against Vic and what got him in jail. I think what he then did, though, he is one of the few celebrity athletes, at least that I can think, who did do the full, I, you know, mea culpa, I'm so sorry, I accept guilt and responsibility, and did actually have this long, you know, going to jail and then having to go back to a new NFL team and making that comeback. Well, and also, like, like compulsory donations to animal charities and therapy and all of this stuff. Yeah, he really did the full thing. Um, as opposed to, and this is completely unrelated, uh, crime is the wrong word, transgressions of John Locker, because I think one thing I just realized going through his Wikipedia page, he kept saying this shit over and over and over again and never, like, apologized or admitted that what he was doing was somehow wrong or offensive until it basically became his shtick. Right. Like, how much do we need a celebrity athlete to apologize to us before we accept him? I don't know. Did Hader... I think that Hater, I think Hater did uh, a kind of, I was in high school that like doesn't I was represent who I am today. It was foolish and immature <laughs> and I'm sorry, but it was like, it was kind of a passing the buck to a younger yeah. self. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we've probably all done things in high school that we would rather not have in the public eye today. Uh, but I was know. an angel. <laughs> other, I mean, other than Eli, of course. Thank you. <sighs> I don't know, man. That was my. That was when Jackass was really big on TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another thing, and this is actually an, it's related, but it's a different issue. Is everything's public now? So you can be a 16-year-old with your own Twitter account and tweet out just dumb, dumb shit, and then suddenly you're a famous baseball player and you have a million followers who can see all the dumb shit you were talking about. Right. Yeah, you know what's interesting is that... But there's a difference between doing... Go ahead, Eli. I I was just going to say to that thought, from a legal perspective, right... Your your record for the most part for most charges if you have run in with the law before the age of eighteen in most states that record gets sealed after you become an an adult and it sort of is all just part of your childhood record that is unaccessible except for in limited uh limited cases right maybe there should be like a setup. In, on social media, where like only eighteen, you know, after eighteen, after you turn eighteen, everything that you tweeted or said on social media is filed before away. Before then, yeah, before then, it's like yeah. you start anew as an adult, right? 
<laughs> really, though, that's your agent's job. The moment you get an agent, the first thing your agent should do is tell you to lock down your Twitter and your Instagram. Right. They just the agent just has their intern erase your social yeah. media accounts. Yeah. So I don't know. And and again, we're getting into this weird gray area because what is the fan's responsibility? I can boo Josh Hader, but he hasn't broken any law. Right. Right? Like, I would be mad if someone tried to take my job away from me from some racist tweets I made when I was 16, although I didn't because there was no Twitter when I was 16. Right. Um, racist, I hope. <laughs> there, I, my town is all white people. I play. You don't want to get into my childhood. There's just say jackass. <laughs> jackass was really, really popular when I was. Just like I mean, to reiterate that jackass was huge in my <laughs> white town. <Let's>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's an interesting thing because I am. I am a firm believer in the power of the consumer in this capitalist country to right. dictate things and entities more powerful than the one of us, like Major League Baseball or Walmart or, you know, whatever, to do the right thing. But it's hard to do with a baseball team because what you're just going to not watch the Brewers on TV because they have this one guy. That's like a hard that's a hard promise to make, you know, yeah, like going and, vegan. Right. And it's, you know, you go, say you go to like three or four baseball games a year, which is like pretty good. Like, are you going to not do that anymore? It's a, it's a hard question to ask if you're a baseball fan. Yeah. Well, but I actually have kind of a different concern about that, Sam, because after the whole controversy last year, when Hato pitched for the next time at Miller Park, he got a standing ovation from the home crowd. Right. Like, so talk about the power of the consumer, and the consumers made their damn choice, which was kind of right. scary to me. Right. Good. It's not a good look for you, San Diego. I mean, Milwaukee. Right. right. <laughs> well, speaking of the consumer, um, it, as a Boston fan, I think it would be remiss if I didn't talk about the city's really spotty history as it relates to race. And oh, yeah. sports, um, <clears throat> which is something that's persisted for decades. And as recent as 2017, uh, black people ranked Boston as the least welcoming city among eight major urban areas, including New York and Chicago, um, in, a, in a survey that was done by the Boston Globe as part of a series looking at race in, uh, in, in the city. So... You know, like, since then, th that whole thing sort of spun out of, I don't know if you remember, but in 2017, Adam, Adam Jones, right? Who was an outfielder, who was an outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, um, was subjected to a bunch of racist taunts while playing in Fenway Park. And right. he spoke publicly about that, like, you know, this is something that happens all the time when I come to Boston. And, you know, other people have spoken publicly about that, too, in both, in, also for the Celtics and Patriots. So 
here you have sort of uh, not only is it like not not only are people battling with racism among players, but here you have an entire city that has a fan base that is known for its racism, which is just terrible. I mean, it's you know that's terrible for the teams and for the city and to have that reputation. So you know, Boston's made some strides here. I guess you could call them strides. Efforts, anyways. They started. They're going to start including all these like anti-racism public service announcements before all of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, and Patriots games. And um, you know, they say they're going to try and increase minority representation inside the team sports offices. But there again, you know, I think if you look around a lot of the management and ownership around the leagues in all sports, just a bunch of old white guys, right? So you just, like any other institution, if you have inherent racism, it's only going to be exacerbated by what it is. You know, the people that, what the people look like in charge and also your fan base. So... You know, this is an upward, uphill battle in my mind that is far from, we're far from seeing the other end of it. Yeah. Well, and that makes me think about, you know, sports as entertainment. And it almost connects back to the WWE of all things, where we're, we're watching a television show. Right, or we're going to a a stadium, but we're still watching a show. We're still there to be entertained, and I think, but we're also watching men do their jobs in front of us. So I think the audience, the fans, start to think that they have some kind of claim over the the people who are at their jobs. Right, right. It starts with heckling, which I love, <clears throat> and goes to. This guy is on my fantasy team, so he better fucking go three for four and hit three RBIs because I need him to. To I have the right to call this man a racial slur at his job because I'm on the other team or something like that. You know, right? And at some point, you're gonna get punched. <laughs> right. That's well, how you. It, yeah. I think that the problem is is that like for a reform to kind of happen, the fans do have to be the ones that are like, okay, we're not down with you punching your wife. You got to go. <clears throat> like that, you right. can't be a public entertainer anymore. We won't stand for it. Because right. time after time, it's shown that like owners and management and front office people do not give a shit about that. Right. And and see, in my opinion, I don't have that much faith in American sports fans. No, definitely not. Um, but it was, uh, well, who was it? The closer for the Astros last year. Ozuna? Who, right, who was suspended like the whole year for beating up his wife and was dropped by the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays yeah. picked up for pennies on the dollar by the Astros, right. and given another shot and that's all it takes like he'll get paid now yeah um and the and the manager even said 
we're just trying to win games. Like, no mm-hmm. comments on the domestic abuse. We're just trying to win the World Series. So, yeah, unless the fans do something about it, it's, you can't leave it up to the league. Right, because sports is, is entertainment and sports is business. Yeah, big money. Big money, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, um, but, hey, this has been an interesting oh. conversation. One last thing that we should probably mention, just because we, I don't know how it didn't come up, but probably the biggest arc that we've seen most recently is Tiger Woods, right? Right. He's He hasn't won the hearts of everybody, probably most namely on this podcast, but he certainly has, in the eyes of thousands, come back from what some may have called rock bottom right right the people are calling it like the like biggest redemption arc in sports right yeah <clears throat> but he was guilty mostly of just being a dirtbag right he didn't right. he wasn't like I mean, that's, he, he didn't beat his wife should, up yeah i don't no, think she, so. she chased him with a golf club right right yeah and that's something we should come back to we do have to cut this but like i i'm still interested in the question between do you have to commit a crime or is it just being a dirtbag because you happen to be a public figure, right? There's a difference between what Ray Rice did and what Josh Hader did. There's a well, difference. Like, I, I guess we should probably set up a formal ranking system. Like, yeah. does yeah. being a philanderer, is that worse than being a racist or vice versa? <laughs> you know, like yeah. punching a dog worse than punching a woman or... <laughs> You know, or punching a man, you know, like outside yeah. of a strip club. Uh, yeah, right. Getting like, getting drunk and disorderly, is that as bad as rape? Right. Is uh, drunk and disorderly as bad as drunken driving? Like, we just have to set up a dump on the ump ranking of off-the-field sports transgressions. Right. And shooting yourself it. in the leg with an unregistered gun inside right. the club. Right. Yeah. Inside the club. What was that guy's name? I don't know. Plexico Burris? No. Plexico Burris, yeah. Yeah, But that's the thing is, that's what he's going to be remembered for. And he's the helmet catch guy, right? Right. But he's a Plexico, I think he's the helmet catch guy. I don't think he is. I think he is. I don't look it up. We'll get back to you on C-Block. We'll get this now, yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. This has been the B-Block you know, not a lot of jokes, but sometimes, you know, domestic violence is only so much that's funny about it. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> David Tyree. Yeah, he's a help me catch guy, right? Yeah. 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 Thanks so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Dump on the Ump. As usual, please give us a subscribe, a rating, and a review on Apple iTunes. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash umpinhemp. Umpinhemp, everybody. And follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. You can also find us on Facebook. Thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, for Sam and Eli, my name is Joel. Have a good that night drink. and a pleasure. Walk that drink. Walk that drink. Walk that drink. Walk that drink.